Over the past three years of our archdiocesan synod process, it's become rather clear that our parish communities desire more opportunities for evangelization, fellowship, and development of our youth. We can't help but notice a common theme in these three pillars, though. Folks are drawn to one another for support, encouragement, and accompaniment. (laughs) But why is fostering community such an important component in the eyes of our faith? Joining us today is Bishop Joseph Williams, Auxiliary Bishop for our Archdiocese and a key leader in our Synod. We'll be chatting about the call to community and how we might respond to it, even if it's something that might not come naturally. Bishop Williams, it's a joy to be speaking with you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Patrick. Great to be here. We're exploring the ideas of finding and fostering community today. Do you have any examples of a time when you experienced the power of a supportive community, Bishop? Absolutely. You know, I've I've spoken before about my family. You might say the family is the primordial small group. So when we talk about Christian life and and the the encounter with Christ through the Christian life, it begins in our families. Um, After that, I would say uh, being invited to a Bible study when I was at the University of Minnesota at Morris, uh, in a home, it was a small group. My brother, Father Peter Williams, also was invited to that same Bible study. That that was for us the beginning of uh, a second conversion or an adult conversion in our lives. So I have a great appreciation um, for how good and pleasant it is to to dwell in unity as, as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Of course, that led to a discernment uh, towards the priesthood, went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, maybe the the richest experience of of Christian brotherhood that I've experienced was there. In the context of, of young men discerning this call to the priesthood, running together, uh, loving together, praying together, I was so impressed. Uh, I was looking from the outside in for one semester and say, boy, these these young men are really impressive. And see how they love one another. That community life became part of the attraction. Uh, to that household. So uh, I've had you know beautiful experiences in my life of, of Christian community. Wonderful. And I pray that that's true for all of our listeners as well. We can really see the richness that comes from a, a deep, well-formed community. And as we continue mm-hmm. to grow together, more in relationship with one another and the Lord. You already quoted scripture once for us, Bishop, but any other ideas or examples that you can think of of, uh, of scriptural models of good community? You know, Patrick, Always beginning with Jesus is pretty safe. And the Archbishop does this in his pastoral letter. Um, When he talks about synodality, we hear that word a lot. It's from the Greek synodos, or common path. Often we'll hear it walking together. Uh, We could imagine a public ministry of Jesus without the companionship of the Twelve. We could imagine it was getting close to his Paschal mystery after the three years and he says, I need to found a church so that this all continues. But he didn't do that. From the very beginning of his public ministry, he called a brothers, follow me. He wanted to, to even his missionary path to be marked by, by community life. And that's powerful. And the archbishop used that as an example for us um, and for our pastors in particular when he challenged them to go up the mountain like Jesus did and to come down and call brothers and sisters, lay apostles, so that that uh, the path of evangelization would be a synodal path, that they could enjoy that friendship and at the same time that they would have the dignity of being co-workers in that apostolic work. It's just beautiful, that that particular section of the of the pastoral letter. 
Yeah, it's it's it is beautiful indeed, and of course, um, Jesus as the fulfiller of the law and the prophets. And you look back in the Old Testament that God called not just a person; He did. He called Abram and Sarai, right? But He called a people, right, to Himself, a community. And I suppose, mm. actually, we could go all the way back to Genesis and how it wasn't good for man to be alone. So, yeah, lots of good community uh, scriptural references Absolutely. there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've established, or for some folks, I mean, doing community is is uh, relatively easy. For others, not necessarily always so much. So, uh, for some, at least, the idea of putting oneself out there and being vulnerable, especially to new friendships, can seem daunting. So any words of advice on how we might remedy that temptation to kind of live more solitarily, live it, living alone, and how, how might we make forays into community, Bishop? Well, first of all, the, the apostles give us a great example. We can't imagine it was easy for them. When we look at that cast of characters, uh, Peter being a fisherman, Matthew, Levi being a tax collector, there, there would be an inherent animosity between those two. But as Pope Benedict says, you know, the, the, the 12, as we have them, shows that we can get to Christ from any point. And it gives us that courage, I would say, to, to enter a community of, of, of life that might not be of our own liking, you might say, because it's precisely there, there's an invitation to charity. We find this in the family. It's the overcoming of the self uh, for the common good that we learn as little children and how to, how to give and forgive is really a, a basic part of that. But there's a challenge. Um, and I think the, the technology between the automobile, maybe started all of this, to the cell phone that we have now, it can lead someone towards isolation, like you said, to a virtual um, kind of existence. But uh, Cardinal Francis George uh, came to the St. Paul Seminary when I was there uh, 20 years ago, gave a beautiful teaching. And he talked about, you know, how the temptation in modern culture is to be connected, but not related. And how many, you know, millions and millions of people, especially young people, as you mentioned, are connected, but not related. And the consequences of that are, are really uh, not good. And the, the Archbishop drew my attention um, Mark Bertram of Net Ministries, just the, the, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, the study on, on, on youth culture, 60% of high school students in this country report experiencing persistent sadness, if you can imagine that. And I think that has something to do with that virtual uh, isolation, which is uh, it's virtual connection, but it's really virtual isolation. So I think accepting invitations uh, for someone who has difficulty, there are people reaching out. My brother, Father Peter and I, a, a Bible study in a home was not something we grew up with. We had a beautiful Catholic family. It seemed to be enough. And then this lay apostle by the, Dr. George J. invited us, you know, caught us really in the, in the <laughs> entryway of the Church of the Assumption in Morris and talked about Jesus and, and apostolic succession, invited us into his home. And, you know, we said, we said yes. We said yes to that. Boy, did that expand our horizons on what Christian life is and what Christian community is. A small group can give us uh, a new new experience of, of walking with Christ and of, of learning our, our Catholic faith. So um, I would say, you know, be open. Be open um, to invitations and be open to be challenges because through that becomes uh, self-giving where we find ourselves, incidentally, and where we find joy. Mm-hmm. 
you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned being open, obviously, to invitation. And I'm going back to that comment that you made about being connected but not related. And that is really mm. – that has teeth profound. to it. Let me say, yeah, that's, that's profound. Mm. So maybe a couple more things about what it takes. What are the elements that take a relationship from connected to related? What are some of the things that, that uh, are necessary there to, to form real, especially – brotherly sisterly christian relationships being together you know geographically together as much as possible it's beautiful that we can have interviews like this virtually zoom has made work easier in some ways but we have to overcome that temptation as we promote um cell groups or small groups for the archdiocese there could be a possibility of just meeting virtually we have to overcome that uh, part of that small group experience that i had in college and, and father peter had was going into a home, experiencing hospitality. Uh, Joan Jay, his wife, made wonderful brownies, incidentally, and, and popcorn. <laughs> and all of that is part of a part of small group living. Someone has hospitality. The other has a charism of service. Uh, Dr. Jay had a charism of teaching, and that's all there. But the, the being together, uh, uh, I think, is important. And going out of ourselves, out of our homes even, and of our of our virtual spaces, I think, is is a big part of, of being related, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's, place, let's place this in a parish ses- uh, setting, Your Excellency. And by the way, if you can't tell by the voice, we are speaking with our auxiliary bishop, Bishop Joseph Williams, and uh, we're sp- speaking about forming community and building community in our parishes. So let's let's turn the focus there. Um, you know, a lot of parishes we can gather for Sunday Mass. We see people we know there. We may tend to gravitate toward those who, I mean, quite naturally, who we know and we'd like to check in with um, after Mass. But really, in my experience, since COVID, it's been hard to get back into the, mm. say, the coffee and donuts or the, the time where there's a natural kind of social element to coming to Mass as well. Mm. What, what are some of the prescriptions there? How, how might we as parishes seek to foster environments where community can be, can be upheld and built upon? Great question. And, and I, I think the prescription we find again in the pastoral letter, the archbishop uh, receiving the, the the inspired data of the Synod Assembly and bringing it to prayer and pondering these things in his heart said, the first priority for our Synod evangelization is the formation, the cultivation of a small group culture in our parishes. Uh, this will be a game changer, a culture changer for what is parish. John Paul II saw this, you know, uh, Christi Fidelis Leici, a document on the on the dignity and call of the laity, he says, in order to, to foster authentic community in our parishes, uh, local authorities should promote base communities or what we call small group communities because we can go to Mass. We can receive the sacrament. We can make the sign of peace and we can go home. Is that authentic Christian community? Um, it's beautiful. The, the, the Eucharist is the source and summit. But as the source, it should lead us into other experiences of community life. So I think the small group um, invitation is going to be huge. And it takes us back, Patrick, to the early church. Uh, Acts of the Apostles, as we do our, our spring formation for clergy and laity, the subtitle is, and without ceasing, they preach Jesus in the temple and in the oikos, mm-hmm. or the homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a, a, a dual, two, two pillars, you might say. One was from above, 
the other is the from below. And so uh, in creating, making the parish a community of communities, that language comes from St. John Paul II as well in his Ecclesia in America. Uh, when the parish becomes a community, parish of communities, small groups, movements, uh, house churches, as they used to call them uh, in the early church, uh, now you, uh, you find that authentic contact Someone cares about me, you know. At St. Stephen's, for example, we were we went right into evangelization, and we were going out and knocking on doors and bringing people in to the Eucharist. That's the end of evangelization, and yet when we made it to about five hundred or seven hundred evangelized, we have to ask ourselves: um, Do they know each other? Do they love each other? I, just a little anecdote. I, I remember knocking on on one of those doors, and I may have shared this in a different context before, but there's a Latina woman. And it was Holy Week, and we often evangelized in Holy Week. And I said, I'm Father Joseph from St. Stephen's. And the other people in my evangelization group introduced themselves. She said, oh, I used to go to St. Stephen. Uh, something priests never like to hear. I used to go to your parish. And so we asked her, why? Why? And she said, you know, I, I go now to another little church on 28th and, and, and 15th Avenue there. And um, she said, this is what the example she gave, if I don't go on a Sunday... Somebody calls me. Somebody calls me. And they say, we miss you. Are you doing okay? Anything we can help you with? And that really stuck in me. And I thought, boy, um, after about 300, 400, 500, the priest can no longer do that. But we started to form lay small group leaders, and they would be responsible. If one of them doesn't show up to the small group on a Sunday, what if you called that person? And they knew that they were missed and thought of and cared for Boy, does that change Christian life. And, and that's the kind of vision the Archbishop is, is inviting every parish to in this Archdiocese. I think it's beautiful. The importance of building community. What a, what a wonderful uh, thing to focus on, especially as we're, as we're evangelizing mm. and, and implementing the Synod and being together and fostering deeper community with one another and, of course, with our Lord. Many more questions, Bishop, but I'm afraid we're near the end of our time. Just quickly before we ask you for your blessing, any ways that we can pray specifically for you in the upcoming weeks and months, Bishop? Absolutely. This small group theme is close to my heart. I'm working with the Archbishop and a team to create a curriculum for small group leader formation. We're going to do this rollout, as I mentioned, with clergy and, and laity and you know staff leaders, for example, this spring in April. And the hope is that we can we can understand the why of small groups, that the people listening and the, the people invited, priests and laypersons, can really understand um, how important small groups can be, not just for evangelization, but for creating that authentic community, authentic relatedness, as we, as we spoke about. So if they pray for these, these formations that are coming up, uh, the 12 that were called by the priests are meant to turn into the 72 this fall. If they would pray for that as well, we'd certainly be grateful. Very good. Bishop Williams, as always, a pleasure to speak with you. May we have a blessing from you before we let you go. You may. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And through the intercession of St. Paul, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Bishop go Williams, peace. thanks be to God. Thank you for joining us, Bishop Williams. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you, Patrick. To stay connected to all the happenings of the Synod, be sure to keep an eye on archspm.org synod. Please continue praying for your parish's synod evangelization team and all those who are accompanying them.